Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. All right. Good evening. What's up? Y'all good? No? Hot in here? I don't care. We try. (laughs) So, like, we got this bipolar weather thing that's happening. And so, like, Sunday it was 30 degrees, so you got to switch it to heat. And it's like a 1960 boiler thing or something. It's in a couple horror movies, but anyways, um, and then like Sunday passes, and by Wednesday you just forget that you had it on heat, and you got to run in here at three thirty and try to switch it to air. So that's it's really Nick's fault too, by the way. So uh, I could provide an email or a text number if y'all would like to file any complaints against the church. He would uh, love to hear any complaint you might have. All right. So welcome to Truth and Grace, where uh, we like to share a lie that we have believed either before Christ or sometimes even in Christ that causes us all kinds of problems. And then we expose that lie with the truth found in God's word. So That's why it's called truth and grace, and then typically we'll have a testimony, that's the grace part of it, um, to help us better understand how to no longer live our lives believing lies, right? And so this month, the month of March, we've been going through a sermon series on Sundays, asking the question, what is a healthy church? And just looking at God's word to understand what God would say, what the Bible says a healthy church is. So on Wednesday nights, I decided that we would uh, also, uh, because of that, we would just talk about the value of community, like doing life together, fellowshipping um, with other believers. Uh, Also, um, how to have healthy relationships, because obviously if you're in community, there's relationships that take place, right? And so it's important to begin to understand how some of those um, relationships can be healthy. So uh, I started praying last week, like community can be done fairly easy, and two people's already taught on that. So I just started kind of praying and asking that God would show me something um, beneficial that would be helpful in, in regards to relationships. And um, believe it or not, God answers prayers. And um, I was reminded of something Sunday night of, um, that, that so many folks have, wrestle with or just have problems with. I went to a church-related event where at the end of the event, a large number of women uh, were sharing how over the weekend, God had helped them forgive themselves. And it just provoked me to start thinking, and then I was reminded of how 
uh, for a long season in my own life where I really struggled with forgiving myself. Like before Christ, I couldn't forgive myself. But after becoming a, a Christian, I still wrestled with forgiving myself. Does anybody else ever struggle with forgiving yourself? Two of you? Awesome. I'm just going to speak to you all and the rest can leave because they're lying, right? But anyways, it just kind of kind of steered something up to me. And, and I guess a lot of it was uh, realizing uh, the pain that comes with feeling like you just can't forgive yourself. So it kind of sparked something in me to think about, you know, how could I help people understand how they can forgive themselves? Um, because the pain that's associated with just feeling like you, you, there's no way that you could ever forgive yourself, that, that it becomes unbearable almost. Um, very discouraging. You lose hope that there could ever be a happy, joyous, free type life for you. Um, and so I figured tonight that's, that's what we would look at is just how can you forgive yourself? Like if you ask most people that question, they really can't answer it, right? And so uh, we'll start with the lie that just kind of helps make sense of this. But the lie that I believe for so many years was that maybe, maybe God could forgive me, right? If God is a God of love, then it would make sense that he'd be willing to forgive me. I didn't fully understand that, knowing all the things that I, I had done over the course of my life. But there was no way that I could ever forgive myself. Like some of the things that I had done was just inexcusable and uncharacteristic of who I really am and who, but mainly who I wanted to be for the ones that I loved, right? And so um, I just would spend a lot of time feeling discouraged and disappointed with myself and not feeling like there was any hope for me to ever get past um, how I could ever forgive myself. So uh, naturally, I just lived under this weight that would uh, just nag at me, just constantly being reminded of all the things that I had done in my past, specifically when I'd see the ones that I loved the most that I had let down or caused damage to. It was just relentless. Um, it was just hanging over my head. I was full of disappointment. I was full of shame. And I was full of guilt. And um, I couldn't seem to shake this unworthiness, just being unworthy of others' love and acceptance of me because I viewed myself in a certain way, right? It was as if I was living in this ongoing doggy paddle of an ocean of pity unwilling to forgive myself for the things that I had done. And so the other night when I was listening to these women share, um, you know, how they had decided that weekend that they would forgive themselves, 
it just reminded me of that place that I was at, I was at one time. And it was obvious that anyone here tonight, it's obvious that anyone here tonight to have a healthy relationship would need to know how to address that issue that seems to be mysterious. Like, why is it somebody can't just give a very... Like, if you think about it, right, the unforgiveness that you have towards yourself seems to be so complicated. Otherwise, you would probably be the... I mean, we're, we've all been pretty selfish and self-centered people. You would think it'd be pretty simple to, to explain and understand how you could forgive yourself, right? So, um, it's as if there's this mystery to how you forgive yourself, considering people go on for years unwilling to do so, right? So I did what every wise man does, and I googled, how do you forgive yourself? Just curious to kind of see what it might say or what it might list, and um, it, re it recommended um, this long list of how-to's. So, like, it was like, you know, uh, make sure you, um, you know, you identify with your memories in a positive way. Make sure you share your past with others. Do this. And it just kept going on. Do this. You know, maybe sit in a floor quietly and meditate and do this and do this. So, it was just this long list of what you should do so that you can... Forgive yourselves. And the issue with that is that is a works-based system. It's as if it, you were to do these certain things, then you would be able to forgive yourself versus the faith-based system that God has put into place, that God has already done all the work necessary for all forgiveness, for all people, for all sins, we just have to accept and believe that, right? Um, but it's still hard. So I'm going to give you a visual. I like visuals because I feel like I can see something that's being communicated. Um, is that hooked on phonics? No, that's like a... I'm going to come up with something. But anyways, uh, I like elementary teaching so I can understand stuff very well, right? Uh, so I'm going to give you a visual so that we can begin to see the truth that needs to be understood so that we can find peace with this issue. Even if it's not something you think you struggle with now, it could unfortunately become something that you were to struggle with later. So everyone here knows that due to biology, right? You know what biology is? It's the study of the human body. Uh, we can have a fundamental or a basic understanding on how the body heals appropriately, right? Like if you guys have an injury or an illness, where do you go? To the doctor, right? Someone who won't forgive themselves is like the guy with a physical issue that he never has looked at. Y'all ever run into that person? You're like, good gosh, Bob, if that thing gets any bigger, I'd get a hacksaw cut it off, right? Yeah, no, I just can't trust them doctors, though. You know, I don't know. You know, they, they, they put all kinds of stuff. I, he's probably a Democrat anyway, so I can't go to him. 
He's just trying to, you know, like we, we come up with all these reasons as to why we don't want to have something fixed or, or dealt with or healed because oftentimes we just get comfortable living our lives that way. And if it's no longer as big of an inconvenience as it once was, then we just adjust our lives to it and we carry on, right? That means biology helps us know how to properly deal with injuries and illnesses in the same way theology does the same thing for the emotional wounds and injuries we suffer in our lifetime. So some of the things that's been done to us or that we've done to others won't necessarily be fixed or helped in a physical way but rather in a spiritual way. And what God would have to say about things is what should matter, not what Google has to say, right? Which means uh, for Christians, our solution or answer to this problem is really to ask a different question, okay? The question would be, how do I deal with the shame and guilt that I'm unwilling to let go. So, I'm going to explain to you from the Word of God how we can learn to forgive ourselves in a biblical way. I'm going to read to you Mark chapter 2, verses 3 through 12, okay? And so these individuals came and bringing to him, Jesus is him, bringing to him a paralytic, somebody who's paralyzed, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they, re- they removed the roof above him. And when they made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralyzed man laid on. And when Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. It's the word of the Lord. Amen? All right. Okay. So I'll give you just a little bit of background to this uh, passage that we're looking at, just so that it um, makes a little more sense, because the background is really, really important. And how we know that what I'm teaching you tonight is true, right? Because uh, some of the basics in biology or just the study of the body would be, uh, y'all used to sing this song when you were younger, well, some of you, but the hip bone is connected to the leg bone, yeah, right? Like anybody can know that, 
because we have studied the body and we've came to an understanding that the hip bone is connected to the leg bone, okay? In the same way, a spiritual truth applies to a spiritual matter. So here's the background. The individuals, every one of them in this story are God's people, right? Not all of them were following Jesus, but all of them came from a line of families all the way back to uh, when they were delivered from Egypt. So God's people, historically speaking, were a people who was in a covenant with God where God revealed himself to those people and established the rules to being right with God, right? Now, important, there was one people group that God chose to deliver from slavery and cause them to become free, and then he gave them rules, you guys would think of them as the Ten Commandments, that helped them understand how they were to stay in fellowship with God by obeying those rules, okay? God was the standard because no man, woman, or child was able to be perfect like God, so he he, um, he implemented, he provided a system that would pay for their sins so that they could stay in fellowship with God. Guys, if you ever go back and read through just like Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it is, uh, it is an exhaustive list of things that they would have to do so that they could stay in fellowship with God. So they were like slaughtering animals taking them to the priest, and the priest would go into the temple, and there was a veil that hung, and they, the priest would go behind the veil, and he would pray and ask God that they would forgive them for all their sin. It was this long process that had to take place so that they could be considered right with God, okay? That uh, system included a sacrifice that would pay for the sins of his people because, his, because people being imperfect can't pay for their own sins. And why it's necessary for Jesus to come in the first place, right? That's the whole point of Jesus, to be the ultimate sacrifice providing all the necessary healing to all sin and destroy the works of the devil. So I just need you to know that's what these people in this passage knew and that's what they were thinking when Jesus shows up and forgives a man for his sins, okay? But it was the reason that Jesus came to begin with. We know that because in 1 John 3 Verse 8, it says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. So we're not even talking about people that are not the people of God. For the devil's been sinning since, uh, since the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason that Christ had to come was so that he could remove all the things that the devil had done, right? It's the basic gospel truths. It's the redemption story where um, 
There is a creator and he has a creation. That creation, unfortunately, cannot perfectly obey the creator. Therefore, they owe the creator a debt. And that debt can't be paid by the creation. Only the creator can fulfill that debt. It's these basic gospel truths, right? God did all the work necessary through Christ to remove all of our sins, which makes us sinners saved by grace through the sacrifice of his own son. So you, my voice just cracked, that was weird. You, you either don't believe that to be true, which is an identity issue, okay? Or you're trying to play God. So we're going to look at the identity first. Let's just clear that up, get that out of the way. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. Right? That means all of your sins, all of your sins was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. That means the old me is gone. And you are now looking at a new me, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. So while I kept my name... I'm not the same person, right? I'm a new creation. And then in John chapter 8, verse 32 and 36, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Somebody who's unwilling to forgive themselves, they're not free, guys. They're still a slave to their sin. Verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. There's, there's kind of an exclamation point right there, right? It's like, hey, if the Son has truly set you free, you will be free indeed. There is no, well, I'm still just kind of wrestling with some of these things, and you know, I'm hoping over time. No, bro, you've been set free. Right? It's like they release you from jail, but you ask to keep the handcuffs on. Can I just take the handcuffs? Not for, I'm saying. But, let me clear that up. Right? I saw, anyway, some of y'all was elbowing your wives and so I was like, hold up. So then, oh, I forgot we were live too. That ain't good. But anyways... It isn't a matter of forgiveness as it is an understanding. Let's go back to biology in relation to theology. When you go to the doctor and you share what's going on with you, he uses his professionalism and experience to diagnose you. 
You're then given a diagnosis as to what's wrong with you and a treatment plan to fix that. In the same way, if you don't understand the basic theology of a Christian being crucified with Christ, no longer living, living in the flesh, I live by the faith of God, being, uh, being in Christ, you're a new creation, knowing the truth and the truth setting you free, and if he sets you free, you're free indeed, then you don't understand your diagnosis, right? In the same way, you aren't the doctor able to heal or fix yourself. You're also not the standard nor the Savior. You're not the standard. You can't meet the standard, right? So even if you're carrying this baggage with you where you just constantly beat yourself up and you just keep telling yourself that there is no forgiveness for you, you're an awful person, there's no way that you, can, you can't do anything, you are making yourself the standard of perfection. And you're not the Savior. You can't save yourself, right? Matter of fact, if you could save yourself, you would have done it years ago. Like, think about that, right? You're the sinner. I'm the sinner in need of a Savior. And to think of yourself more than that, spiritually speaking, leads to a messed up identity where you forget all of those things we just talked about, full of shame and guilt and angry at yourself, holding yourself in contempt to yourself. Holding yourself in contempt to yourself. Living in a perpetual cycle of beating yourself up, not living in your full potential, neglecting what's been done for you on the cross. Like the paralyzed man in the story, you're a paralyzed man or woman, yet to walk in total freedom because you've made yourself the standard of perfection, and you're not will, you can't save yourself, right? And so, like uh, Colossians two verse fourteen, we we we've got to start imagining what's already been done for us, and the foolishness in how we refuse to accept it by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He canceled your debt. I, let me reread that. By canceling the record of debt that stood against me, he asked if it'd be okay if he could nail my sin to... No, it doesn't say that. He didn't ask your permission because he don't need your permission. Right? You're the one refusing to let what's been done be done for you, right? I, I, w I meant to mention something earlier, too. Um, I know a lot of times when you're struggling with not forgiving yourself, you're wishing that you could undo things that you've done. Right? But what God has done for you is meant so that you would become undone and experience the freedom that he has for you. 
You're wanting to undo things that you've done when he is expecting you to be undone by what you've done to accept what he's done, right? God said crushing his son was good enough. And while we may think more of ourselves than we should, God thinks rightly of us. He puts this into perspective Because we cannot make right what we've wronged. Sure, there is the um, confessing. There is the asking for forgiveness. There's all those things, but it's something no one does for themselves. We're incapable of paying for what we've done, right? The appropriate punishment isn't something you could have lived through anyways. Jessica's going to show an image just as a way of reminder, like I want you to focus on that, and I want you to be reminded of what it took so that you could be set free. Then I want you to realize, not only could you not have paid for your own punishment, but you couldn't have lived through that. They've proven that no human Ordinary human being could have lived through everything that he went through before he got to the cross. And now I want you to consider this. Not only are all those things true, but you wouldn't do that. God woke you up tonight out of a dead sleep. And he said, I put some thought to it. It's a little unfortunate you won't accept what I've already done for you, so I'm going to need you to do this, and then we'll call it even. You wouldn't do that. Not only wouldn't you do that, you couldn't do that. In other words, you can't forgive yourself because only God can forgive for sins committed, and why the people of God in this story Jesus says in verse 7 or no the people standing there said who can forgive sins but God alone nobody it takes what we were just looking at for that to to happen but forgiveness wasn't the struggle in this story he was paralyzed they were bringing him to Jesus because they wanted him to be healed Forgiveness wasn't the struggle, but rather who was able to forgive. That was the struggle. Same goes for us. All of our shame and guilt has to be taken to the cross. Right there. That's what, you, that's what you're supposed to do with that. Roger, I don't know what to do. Yeah, right there. It's all been done. You just need to become undone. You need to get off the throne and quit being in judgment of yourself and accept what God's done for you, and experience the freedom that comes with that. So, now, now that the problem has been identified, right, we have an identity issue, or we're trying to play God, what's the solution? It's a good question, right? Because it isn't about how we forgive ourselves, it's about how we cope or deal with the pain that we carry. That's really the reason we're not allowing forgiveness for ourselves. We're, we're literally an obstacle to what God has done for us. So how do we deal? Because it's that nagging, 
weight that feels like it just keeps hanging over top. You're reminded of it. And you guys might be lucky enough like me that you have family members that keeps reminding you of what you've done. And you just keep battling it. And you want to be forgiven. But you're, you're unwilling to forgive yourself, right? So what do we do? First, you must repent. You must repent from, our, from your unbelief. And then you must quit playing God. And learn from the scriptures the appropriate response to God in regards to our sin. So what's that look like? I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Look, some of y'all, it ain't about I'm unwilling to forgive myself. It's that you're unwilling to forget what you've already done. It's that you can't forget it. But godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief, putting, um, putting um, things on myself that's unrealistic or measuring myself to other Christians and all that stuff, that's worldly grief. That produces death. See the difference? One saves, one kills. All sin... Even the sin that you're unwilling to forgive yourself of is an offense to God. So you may have sinned against people in your past, but that sin was sin against God first. And that sin should break our hearts and cause us to look to the cross for the appropriate healing. Let me give you two quick examples. Peter. Peter denied Christ three times, right? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 75 real quick. Because Peter wept about his sin. Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Point is, they meet eyes in the courtyard. And Jesus has been condemned and convicted and he's being carried off to be crucified. And Peter standing finally does the third denial and happens to look across the courtyard and Jesus looks right at him. And it says he remembered and he went out and he wept. See, when you look to God and you realize and recognize what you've done to him because you crucified Jesus, it wasn't some people in the Bible that did that. It was your sin that did that and your eyes meet with the truth in the Scriptures, God Himself, you'll, you should be broken. You should be weeping over what you've done. Because the other comparison is Judas. Judas also betrayed Jesus. But in Matthew chapter 27, verse 3, it says, Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind, and he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, hey, check this out, guys. I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. You know, Jesus had already been convicted, and, and Judas played a part in that. And then he comes back and claims, hey, check it out. He's innocent the whole time. I'm the thief. I'm the one betraying him for money. And they said, hey, what's it to us, bro? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, Judas departed and he went and hanged himself. See the two different responses? One leads to salvation. One leads to death. 
You either continue to live under your own self-condemnation. By the way, Scripture says there is no condemnation in Christ. If you're walking in condemnation, it's because you're listening to the devil. If you're a Christian, there's no condemnation in Christ. Okay? So there's the two different responses that's necessary. Godly sorrow leads to the right attitude where you're recognizing you're guilty in, in, in terms of God's standard for the way you live your lives. Worldly sorrow leads to death. Now, y'all are going to relate to this. If you're caught carrying things around that you didn't pay for, they can arrest you. Right? Anybody ever got arrested for that? Don't raise your hand. I'm kidding. Ah, you did it! But if you carry things around that you didn't pay for, they can arrest you. It's called stealing. And when God has already paid for all of your sins, but you want to keep carrying your sins around and they've already been paid for, you're robbing God of His glory. And it's a double whammy. Because it makes you a thief who's committing fraud. You're pretending to be someone that you're not. You're a thieving fake. Right? That's the perspective that we need to, to look at that when we go back to refusing to forgive ourselves. Now, back to our story that we read earlier that's really important. Notice the individual that needed healing was dealing with a physical impairment that was healed by spiritual means. God's people brought somebody who needed healing to God himself so that he could be healed. Because a spiritual person needs a spiritual solution. And why in verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, them trusting in Him as the one who heals all things, then Jesus declared that man forgiven. Right? And the point there is, and really what I want you to take away from this tonight, is that the, the people who love this person, just imagine you're the paralyzed individual. Because if you're, if you're unwilling to forgive yourself, you are to some extent. His brothers, they gave him to God. They gave him to God. And it's the same thing that we should do. We should give our paralyzed... Um, undesired by God issues to God because we can't fix them. Remember the girls I was telling you about at the event the other night? Everyone's testimony that the women shared uh, was, I made a decision, struggled with not forgiving myself for years, years, made a decision this weekend to give it to God. See how that works? It's funny how the truths in scriptures just continue to be the solution that we all need. We have to give those things to God. And tonight, uh, what I want to do differently is I, I just want to close. We don't have a testimony. I want to close uh, reflecting on what you've heard. And instead of a testimony, we'll play one song and then we'll leave. And I, me and James is going to give you uh, a card and a pen. And if you want to, you can write down on this card, 
anything you want to that you have struggled with giving to God that's caused you to not forgive yourself or to live in the freedom that God has designed you to live in. So once you're done with this, you can chew it up and eat it. You can put it in your pocket. Or you can come up here and literally just throw it at the altar, turn around and walk away and leave it right there. That this doesn't do anything other than practicing you giving things to God. What's paralyzing you, what's causing you to not grow close to God is the thing that you're refusing to give over. There's nothing special or magical about this other than creating a new habit in yourself where you become willing to literally give it to God. Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.